All right, y'all. You know what time it is. No, don't even act like you don't know what time it is. Another successful one. Another successful can ASMR by yours truly. I do kind of worry because I usually do it like one-handed and the can's just like on the ground. So I'm constantly worried that I'm just going to tip it over during and it's just going to be a disaster. Thankfully, it is just seltzer water. We are back to Blackberry today. I just had a full thing of buffalo mac and cheese. I hope between that and the seltzer, I don't just start burping all over the place, which I'll edit them out if it happens, but I'm just saying it's going to be more of a process for me. Although, I don't know, y'all sound off in the comments. Do we keep the burps in? So this is episode number three. We are recording. It is day three with a shattered front sliding glass door. If y'all don't know the story on that, that is episode one, body positivity versus body neutrality. I go into it a little bit there. If y'all can't tell, I'm kind of stockpiling these episodes. I have really bad time management, so I'm trying to make it so that, you know, I can kind of record these with one or two episodes in the tank. Eventually, I want to catch up, so I'm only... I only have like one episode in the tank at a time because I want to still be topical if something happens. That's kind of the thing with like current events in like fitness or powerlifting. They're usually pretty unexpected. I am kind of anticipating, well, um, if you follow uh, Garrett Fear on Instagram, I didn't for a while, but lately I have. Lately, he's been posting a lot of updates, talking a lot of good shit lately. So I said, fuck it. But he's been hinting at like an announcement, I think from the WRPF, I'm guessing relating to the American Pro. I kind of don't know, though, what it could be outside of, I mean, that's just a limitation of my imagination, right? But I know kind of the big one was uh, they've been hinting at moving towards more of like a session format for the American Pro. I'm personally a big fan of the session format, and I'm really interested to just kind of see how it's going to be implemented, especially in untested powerlifting. So I am really anticipating that announcement. So we are on the lookout for that. Today we are tackling something a little bit different. First couple episodes, I kind of made just broad topics, but topics that were very interesting to me and very... I considered important, but it's also somewhat necessary to me to kind of set the tone and the expectations very early on with this podcast. And a lot of y'all might not really know my like personal mission with what I share on social media and the type of environment I try to create around my page and really any social media that I have. My biggest focus with a lot of my content is to just create a place where people with similar interests to me or and or similar values to me can be comfortable. And that's very broad, but it's also kind of exclusive at the same time. It's kind of weird. But basically, 
oftentimes people who are part of marginalized groups, especially people in the queer community, people who are neurodivergent, especially, and then people with certain interests, like maybe gaming, gaming's a big one, or anime, or sci-fi, fantasy's a big one. People with those kind of interests, uh, nerd shit, um, <laughs> I can say that. I'm also into that nerd shit. A lot of people in those groups or with those interests tend to have a hard time getting into fitness. There's something really abrasive about a lot of brands and a lot of fitness influencers in the forefront of the community. Even like when I first got into bodybuilding specifically and just lifting with free weights and barbells. Now, granted, I was young and this is kind of like young person logic, but I really felt like I was pretty much abandoning any or not any, but some of my femininity. Now, I've never been overly attached to my femininity personally, but I really felt like there was no way that I could also ever be soft again. I thought I would forever have an edge to me and people would view me as being more masculine or maybe intimidating. Not that I think I'm intimidating, but that's what I thought people might look at me as or, you know, just rough around the edges for lifting weights. Not that I cared that much. A lot of my friends growing up were guys and that's just how it was. But that's me, you know, and most people aren't me <laughs> or even most people like, you know, don't have a very like similar mentality to me, especially when I was young. A lot of people my age didn't have the same mentality I did at my age. But, you know, there might be people who are thinking like, well, it's intimidating. I'm having a hard time finding people in the community I, I vibe with because they all feel very abrasive and extreme or even going a little bit deeper and being a little bit more polarizing. A lot of like fitness influencers and brands and athletes tend to be like pretty red coated or conservative in their beliefs and or lifestyle. And if that's like if that's your, you know, prerogative, that's your leaning, whatever, I'm pretty sure I'm using the the word prerogative right in that sense, but if that's your leaning, whatever. But I'm just saying for people who, you know, have similar values to me or, you know, are more into that that nerd shit <laughs> or, you know, you're you grow up and you're bullied and so you have like a aversion to things with hard edges and things that are intense in that way because you might have like a negative association or you know in fitness the acknowledgement of taking mental health seriously is very new and so to someone with not the best mental health or someone who's neurodivergent they might not feel super welcome in the fitness industry or the weight room specifically. So when I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about when recording this episode, I kind of joked to myself that like 
this is gonna kind of be like an anti-fitness podcast fitness podcast and i was like ha it's like the anti-social social club shirts you see sometimes whatever but really i think about a lot of like other fitness podcasts that i've listened to and that or that i know are popular with other people in the industry and i'm like damn this is not that <laughs> I think that personally, I think that for a lot of those podcasts, um, they're usually really sterile. Um, I've been using that word a lot lately, but there's something very like button up the like the kind of interaction between the hosts and the guests are very, I, I mean, honestly, sterile, but like transactional is another good word. And like every single minute needs to be like so well spoken and informative. And then and then I think of like all the podcasts I listen to, and I listen to pretty much completely comedy podcasts. Usually podcasts that it's just a bunch of friends talking about or joking about current events, crazy shit on social media, and the antics that they like got into the week before. And I kind of want a combination of the two. I want a podcast where we can kind of goof around. It's chill vibes. But then also, you know, you might walk away with a message or we might talk about something serious, but it's in a way that you can digest very comfortably uh, from someone who has kind of a similar perspective as you. So today it's a bit of a broad topic, but we're also applying it kind of to the fitness industry with fitness influencers and content creators and uh, pseudo celebrities. I don't want to say celebrities because like, how famous are these people really when you break it down? But today we're going to be talking about whether or not influencers or celebrities have a responsibility to speak on social issues. And if so, how should they go about it? Now, if the answer was no, they shouldn't. <laughs> I think this episode would be pretty short. Although I don't know, I guess I would, I guess I would just talk about why not, like why shouldn't they? But my answer, the short answer is yes. That yes has an asterisk, but it is still a yes. I think that celebrities and influencers should speak on issues that they're one, comfortable speaking on, and two, feel informed enough to speak about. Whether that is from their own research or just from their lived experiences because I think a lot of us forget that celebrities do have their own lived experiences especially before they become famous but even like child actors or whatever they they experience some wild shit from a really young age and that's why a lot of them turn out really weird <laughs> so I do think that those two things are very important when saying yes they should speak on these things now I do not believe that all just general influencers and celebrities and micro-celebrities have a responsibility to speak on these issues. Because one, there's a lot of them, okay? Like, I get it. Some of them are huge and have a crazy reach. But at the end of the day, we surround ourselves with a lot of celebrities, especially micro-celebrities and influencers. To the point where, you know, if just a good amount of them speak up about things that are important to them and that they feel informed on, you know, you can, you can get a lot of information. They can have a lot of reach collectively. I think in a perfect world, I would say, yes, they all have a responsibility. But at the end of the day, like 
you know, people will criticize someone like maybe Cardi B for not being a good role model for children. It's like, well, why is a rapper a role model? Like, you wouldn't say Lil Wayne's a role model. You wouldn't say that Takashi 6ix9ine is a role model. So why is it that suddenly Cardi B has to be a role model? Is it because she's a woman? Like, I just don't understand. And it's like, why can't, why can't we just let Beyonce be the role model? You know what I mean? She is so brand safe. It's ridiculous. But basically what I'm trying to say is that I just don't think it's fair to put, you know, celebrities and influencers and whatnot in those boxes or in that box. Because, you know, at what point do you draw the line? At what point can a celebrity just be a celebrity? And at what point do they have to be a role model? You know, it's like, okay, if I'm a singer, but all of my songs are PG, am I a role model now? Okay, but I'm a singer and I only sing about like making money and getting my cheeks clapped, my cheeks clapped, my cheeks clapped, my cheeks clapped. And now all of a sudden I'm a role model and I'm not a role model anymore. It's just like, you know, it's like, where do you draw the line of who can be like, and what if you're not necessarily making songs for kids, but they just happen to be PG? It's like, I'm not, I'm not going out of my way to make my music for that audience why am I being forced into having to police everything I do and say because you want your kid to look up to me your kid should look up to you and you should be a role model for your kid or their teachers or just any like direct adult in their life and if you think your kid's too impressionable then maybe just we don't listen to Cardi B until we're a little bit older I don't know I'm not a parent <laughs> But so do I think they have to be role models? No. Do I think that they should be aware of the fact that the things that they say and do have impact? Yes. Like I think, oh, who is that? I think some, hold on. It's Meek Mill. No, it's Kevin Gates. And he was just talking about how he like, how fasting is like the ultimate cure for like whatever ails you or whatever. And I think he said it was like a, 40 day fast and it's like it heals everything and whatever and you you need to be aware that there are people that are going to hear that that are going to be like oh my gosh like I need to try this and 40 days without food I don't know if he mentioned water but and I'll I'll probably drop the clip here below not below but uh right now dry fast is when you don't eat or drink how long you dry fast it depends can you do, you can't do a week of dry fast. You do, a, what, some days? I done did, the longest I done ever did dry fasting was like close to a month, about three weeks. Can't, no food, no. no water. Come on. But the amount of damage that you can cause telling people not to eat anything for 40 days, especially if he mentioned not drinking water, like, you can kill people. And it's like, that's a conversation of, oh, these people should know better if they're hearing this, whatever. Same deal. I mean, if you have like, if that clip makes its way to kids, kids are so dumb. Kids are either too smart or too dumb and they're nowhere in between. And the ones that are too dumb always make their way into the terrible, like dangerous TikTok trends. But it's like, dude, you don't have like a PR person. You don't have an agent saying like, hey, man, I don't know. I don't know if you should be telling people not to eat, you know, or whatever. Like, I don't know if you should be giving people health advice. Because, I mean, it's one thing if it's like 
general fitness advice like it was that rick ross who said he liked to eat pears like that's whatever but it's like if you're telling people not to eat anything come on dude so just to summarize again real quick because i went on another tangent but in summary yes i do think that you know influencer celebrities should be allowed to speak on things as long as they're well informed and they're comfortable no i don't think that they necessarily have a responsibility and now we're going to kind of get into how I think that they should go about it. This is all my opinions, guys. Like, I have a lot of bullets normally for episodes, but this one, I think I have all of, like, five bullets, and it's just to kind of, you know, keep an idea of, like, the flow of the episode. But really, y'all, fam, class, I'm just going to jam on this one. <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying it and it's going to get out of my target audience and they're going to be like, did, did she just say jam on this one? <laughs> so sit back, relax. Now, I will say this is a topic I've thought about for a long time. I've been thinking about this topic ever since the riots after George Floyd was murdered. So I've had this in mind for a long time and I've been stewing on this conversation for a really long time and you know it was a conversation you know kind of after things you know calmed down if that's the word you can use or the dust settled or whatever that was a conversation of you know a lot of like celebrities influencers whatever they're like I just didn't know what to say or I didn't know what to do now, this conversation is mostly going to be barring anything crazy going on, like, in society. There's no mass shootings. There's no police killing of an innocent member of a minority group. Just the typical run-of-the-mill bullshit. But barring anything super serious, now we, you know, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, in the case of tragedy, what to do. But for the most part, we're going to be talking about, you know, uh, like a typical, you know, news cycle, what, you know, what to what I would expect from a celebrity or influencer. Now, like, you know, I mentioned how important it is to consider the lived or the potential lived experiences of a celebrity or notable person, especially before becoming famous. Like one thing that kills me is when. People say about LeBron James to stick to basketball whenever he wants to speak about social issues, specifically racial issues. Like, is LeBron not a black man? Was LeBron not a black man growing up in Akron, Ohio? Because I'm pretty sure he was. <laughs> Same thing with Colin Kaepernick, you know, during the height of the controversy around him kneeling for the national anthem and people were saying you know stick to throwing the football and it's like you know is Colin Kaepernick not a black man and is there not a serious problem with police killing innocent black men in the streets and just because Colin Kaepernick is a light-skinned black man does not make him any less black in fact obviously I cannot speak from experience I just listen to the experiences that I hear from other people. And oftentimes, growing up light-skinned, from my understanding, you are not black enough for the black kids, and you're not white enough for the white kids. 
So not only do you have to deal with, you know, any kind of like racism on a day to day basis, but now you don't even like really have a sense of community with anyone. I mean, that's not it's not rocket science. You just got to listen to one logic song to know that. (laughs) In fact, I'm pretty sure it was one of his own peers, also a black man who just said straight up that Colin Kaepernick was not black like during the time that this was happening and i have to believe being being a black person growing up in wisconsin now i don't know what part of wisconsin he grew up in i don't know about the demographics and i know growing up in a 97% white community you're black you're a person of color you are a novelty you stick out like a sore thumb And on top of whatever other, like, bullying or, like, roasts from your friends that you have to put up with as a kid, now you have to deal with all these racist white kids. (laughs) Or ignorant, at the very least. So when athletes speak about social issues, especially, you know, if it's, you know, a person of color speaking about racial issues, like, yeah, they have lived experiences. They have... They have all the room in the world to speak about these things and to just brush it off as, uh, you know, stick to stick to playing basketball. And it doesn't take a political science degree to understand that cops killing innocent people is not okay. And of course, there's a conversation of should cops be killing people at all? Should they be trained more to what is it? um, De-escalate or disarm as opposed to kill? blah, blah, blah. We're not talking about that today, but it is a very important conversation. You know, we're all expected to vote, you know, at the very bare minimum every four years. And some of us don't even do that, which if you don't, shame on you. If you don't like who's running for president, that's fine. You can at least elect your local representatives because those are the people that actually make an impact in your community. But We're expected to vote every four years, and I'm pretty sure not every eligible voter in America is a political science major or has even taken a political science class, maybe social studies and history in middle school, high school, maybe. And you can still vote if you're a high school dropout. So really, all it all it takes is like some effort to, you know, understand somewhat of what is going on. And if you're comfortable talking about those things, by all means, the thing that I think is the most important, though, is that people stay in their lane. And I talked about this in the uh, Wild West. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's what I'm going to title it. The uh, fitness industry is the Wild West Red Flags episode. I talked about how important it is to me that people stay in their lane. So personally, my expectations when it comes to what I expect a health and wellness influencer to talk about is basically pretty much anything related to health and wellness. So if we are, you know, putting, talking about social issues in the context of fitness, that's one thing where, you know, I expect you, you know, to have some context going in and hopefully you did at least some, like, you had some attempt of Googling And, you know, I hate the term now doing your own research, but, you know, just looking into it. Um, Any woman 
any female influencer or celebrity, I expect to be able to speak on women's issues and women's rights. I don't expect you to speak on those things, but I expect you to, you know, have some experiences or some context as to why you are qualified to speak on those issues. Same thing, if you're queer speaking on queer issues, if you're a per person of color speaking on uh, certain issues, I expect you to have lived experiences and a context that makes you informed on the subject. And kind of like what I was saying earlier, you know, you don't need a political science degree to be able to vote. And you don't need a political science degree to be able to speak on politics and other political issues that interest you. I do, however, expect you to do some quality research. And this kind of goes off of what, again, what I was talking about in the video about, you know, red flags for uh, fitness influencers and content creators. When doing research, you want to look at the source of where the research is coming from. For example, you wouldn't want to look at an article about a certain supplement from a supplement company. You wouldn't want to, this is a silly example, but you wouldn't want to look at a study about the positive effects of milk consumption from like the National Dairy Council or whatever it is. You wouldn't want to look at a article about the negatives of gun reform from the NRA you know, because those are biased sources. Uh, same thing goes with, you know, anything you might research, especially political issues. I try to get all of my news either from either from like an unbiased creator or a creator who I know, you know, is educated in the topic. Or I try to get my news from news outlets that are uh, I don't mind if they're left-leaning, but, you know, typically closer to the center just because I just want the facts. You know what I mean? Like, I don't trust Fox News to report the news or report on current events with, like, the most factual or I don't expect them to represent situations in in, like, the way they should be. Um, and I don't, I don't like, I don't read CNN either. I don't consume news from CNN either. I want, I just want the facts and then I'll use, I'll apply my own bias. Thank you very much. Um, I will kind of analyze that, those facts any way I want to. Another thing too, is like, if you're researching into a political figure, you wouldn't want to look at their opponent's you know, like something from their opponent's camp about them, because it's probably going to be, you know, a really negative light. It's going to be like the worst faith take possible. Now, if it's something like so-and-so voted no on issue blank, uh, fuck them. <laughs> that might be something to consider. Now, you can go look at the issue they voted no on. A lot of the time, those types of issues, those things that they vote on, there's usually like weird stuff within the legislation that makes people have to vote no like they'll say they voted no to save kittens but then you like look at the legislation and it's like we're going to save kittens and also kill puppies and it's just like 
Well, yeah, that's why they voted no, because they didn't want to kill the puppies. But all you know is that they voted no to save the kittens. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? So, again, no, I don't expect influencer celebrities to speak on uh, certain issues now. We are going to talk about the situation of or the instance of tragedies or catastrophes, right? And at the end of the day, what are we looking for? We are looking, or what am I looking for that you might also be looking for? What you might want to look for is I am looking for support for people and communities that are under attack. So kind of circling back to the Black Lives Matter movement after George Floyd's murder, some influencers really grappled with the idea of just saying Black Lives Matter. Or God forbid they post a black square on Tuesday. Y'all remember Blackout Tuesday. So you look at what's going on. You look at what happened. You look at what's going on. And you say, how can I be supportive of this, of this group? And you look at this situation and you think, how can I show just a sliver, a meager sliver of support. And all these people had to do was hashtag Black Lives Matter, post the black square. And there's people who would hear that and be like, okay, sheep, sheeple, whatever. Showing support as an influencer, as a celebrity, are you fucking kidding me? Like, there's the question of what does it say if I post this? There's the question of what do I say if I don't post this? Let alone if it affects a part of your following, especially a considerable part of your following, especially, you know, if you have a decent sized following, if you have a thousand followers or more, do black people follow me? Probably. Yeah. Do I want them to feel supported right now? Yeah. They're watching people in their community get murdered for nothing. But these stories and these experiences are everywhere. You just have to give a shit, you know? But like I was saying, the thing that irks me is like, you know, if you consider someone like Kim Kardashian, how many, how many, how many followers does she have? Kim Kardashian has 362 million followers, which is nuts. I bet a lot of those accounts aren't even like active anymore, if we're being honest. But I think she can comfortably look at <laughs> her following and say, yeah, an X amount is probably from Ukraine. And she would be right. <laughs> so I'm sure she posted support of Ukraine when, you know, the war first started. You know, pray for Ukraine. I wouldn't put that past almost anybody with a large following. Not that, I mean, I don't think pray for Ukraine was very controversial. And like, I understand the desire to not alienate part of your following at times. But if it's at exp an expense of showing support for, again, like a considerable, if not large part of your following, why wouldn't you just be supportive? Because you might lose support from some people. But at the end of the day, one, you're showing support for... A, ch a good chunk of your following, 
but you're also earning whatever social brownie points in the eyes of the people that also support that group. You know, it's like, I'm white. <laughs> you're all just like, we know. <laughs> but I support Black Lives Matter. I'm not gay. I'm not queer. I'm not even questioning. But do I support the LGBTQIA plus community? Yeah. And I sure as hell support the trans community and trans youth. And, you know, people want to talk shit or complain or whatever when companies rainbow wash during Pride. And it's like, by now, we know. We know what's going on, right? You know, this is the one time a year that they can show their support. And it's almost expected at this point, right? So they don't have much to lose because it's expected at this point because all brands do it, whatever. And, you know, some people view, view it as performative. But even if it is performative, the more brands get involved, the more popular it becomes, the more inclusive we can be, the more that we show, one, we show homophobic and transphobic people that the world is slowly and slowly constantly becoming a less safe place for them at least to be the way that they are out in public, right? But also now, you know, you might have somebody who maybe has never shopped with your brand before and then they see the rainbow during Pride or they see you put out like a nice like Pride collection and now they might be more inclined to check out your brand or maybe they've been shopping with your brand and now they feel more comfortable and they might be more inclined to shop with that brand now. You know, like Target, if their displays weren't causing riots by crazy people, people walk in, they see the cute gay shit in the front when they walk in, and they're like, damn, like, now subconsciously or consciously, they might be like, I might just shop at Target more often. This is, this is pretty cool. And then finally, it makes people that are also supportive of those groups, again, all of those things transcend to them. So whether they were already shopping or never shopped there before, they might be likely to check you out for the first time, or they might uh, be more inclined to continue using your product or visiting your store or whatever because uh, they know that you support something that they also support. And please believe I'm a business major. I understand. If there's two things people are going to know about me after listening to every episode of this podcast, it is that I am white, and I'm a business major. <laughs> but I like referencing that I'm a business major because it's it's kind of different to me anyway in our industry, right? You know, most people, you know, they go to school for biology or sports science or biomechanics or kinesiology. And most people assume when, you know, when they ask me like, oh, what's your highest education? I'll be like, bachelors and then they're like oh is that in is that in like nutrition I'm like no business <laughs> but honestly I am I am perfectly happy with the track I went down because one of the huge focuses especially at a uh, ECU is leadership and there are so many people who become influencers become micro celebrities mostly influencers right because the goal is to influence so we'll stick with that here especially fitness influencers and they either don't know anything about being a leader or they are not prepared to become leaders. 
So when these issues come up and these influencers like really fumble with them, it's oftentimes to me things that are like a no brainer to me. And a small part of that, too, I I attribute it anyway, is I had to take uh, human resources management. That's huge to me in knowing how to approach things like this. So, you know, it's frustrating. It's like everybody wants, okay, not everybody, but people want to be influencers. And then when it comes down to grow a fucking spine and be a leader and stand up for something, anything, they can't fucking do it because it's not brand safe. And that sucks. And some brands do a nice job of like really towing the line between like social issues, uh, standing up for a certain set of morals and values without, you know, you know, in a way that's not like divisive or they don't get very political. And, you know, I think it's really cool that some brands and some people can tow that line. But I would just hope that when it comes down to it and part of their audience really needs it, that they can stand up and be supportive and be like, I see you, I hear you, I'm here for you. And last thing I'll talk about, and I don't know if it's like with like, it's my standards being on the floor and me trying not to get disappointed, but I don't expect every brand to go out of their way to be inclusive. Now, if I'm scrolling through and it's like active wear and I notice most of your models are white, I notice. And I don't know if that's like, you know, sometimes I really I really do be fitting the stereotype of like white knight, cis white woman. And I'm trying to be more aware of it now. I think the biggest difference actually, no, this is the last thing I'll talk about. I think the biggest difference between me just being quote unquote white and (laughs) no, I meant to say me being quote unquote woke. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) white people be like, uh, (laughs) if I ever come out with merch, it's just going to be like, I'm white. I'm a white woman (laughs) is going to be one. It's just going to be text on like a shirt. And it's just going to say I'm a white woman. Um, um, I, th- I think the biggest difference with being quote unquote woke, which I hate that word, um, socially aware, sensitive, I don't know. Uh, but the difference between that and being like a white knight, which is like really cringe, right, is I think just knowing when to speak up and when to let others speak is really big. Um. But, you know, I'm like, I'm a really big proponent of using your privilege for good. And, you know, oftentimes you'll see it on the Internet viral videos where, you know, a white person is giving a black person a hard time. And then a white person steps in and suddenly the tide shifts a little bit and it's a different result than if no one stepped in at all. Y'all remember when those like videos were going viral where like it was just like people of color like going home to their apartment complex and white people were like typically a white woman would like stop them and be like um excuse me and you know here they'd be like i live here no you don't (laughs) like straight up they'd be like no you don't so what are you doing here um no i'm gonna call the police It's always, dude, they always have that voice. Why do they sound like that? Is that why they're so bitchy? Because they sound like that? 
because they know that they sound ridiculous. Um, kids can't hear you because they're listening to kids bop. <laughs> That's an old one. That's an old reference. But yeah, basically, I just try to speak up and I try not to overstep. Like, I keep in mind, like, the stories and experiences I've heard, but I, I try not to speak for people. You know what I mean? I, I think I just try to step up when it's a space where they're not in a place to speak up or they might not even be part of the conversation. Like, you know, fitness is dominated by cis straight people, right? So in a lot of spaces and a lot of conversations, you know, there's very few queer people or even allies, you know, allies that are as outspoken as me to kind of add to the conversation. So in their absence, oh my gosh, my voice just cracked. All right, you guys, we got to wrap up this episode. <laughs> but so, you know, in their place, I try to just speak and I try to speak on, again, the experiences I've heard. I try not to... I try not to just say the things that I think that they would want me to say. I try to just reiterate the stories and the concerns of people that I have heard before from people in those groups. And I think that's a good part of the conversation to include is at what point are you being supportive and are you being sensitive to this certain demographic or this certain group and at what point are you just being a white knight and being performative a great example of this and then we'll wrap up is uh maddie healy i think literally just yesterday he was performing with his band in 1975 and he was i believe he was performing in malaysia it was either dubai or malaysia and he went on this whole rant about the anti-lgbtqia plus laws and restrictions, you know, in that area. And after or during the rant, he ended up kissing his same-sex bandmate. And it resulted in the cancellation of a lot of shows like in Malaysia or another subsequent show in Malaysia. I don't know how many like shows they had planned. But I've been seeing a lot of people in the queer community saying, hey, this does more harm than good. Like, one, it feels weird doing it in another country, right? Like, I think if it were to have a positive impact or an impact at all, I think it would have had more of an impact at home in the U.S. Because queer people are under attack here in the U.S. Like, if you are going to protest anti-LGBTQ legislature and politics, then especially anti-trans legislature, do that here because it's happening. Like, this is real life. Like, don't don't leave and then get mad. But it also kind of looked insensitive when you, like, consider comments he's made in the past of very, like, recent racist jokes he made. And now he's in, like a like, a South Asian country doing this shit. And that feels weird, too. So... You know, there's a really big difference, like I said, between just being supportive and maybe being a voice for people who, in the place of people who may not feel comfortable or may not even be part of the conversation, and then like being a white knight. So, to wrap up, that's kind of what I expect when it comes to like a notable figure, micro celebrity, celebrity influencer, whatever. I expect them to 
kind of speak on things kind of within their field when it comes to social issues that are, you know, in their field or adjacent to, you know, that I would I would trust them to have some kind of context or some kind of background that is, you know, complementary or similar to the thing that they're talking about. And then outside of that, if it's something that, you know, they are well informed about, then I think that is totally fine. And whether that is them getting information from articles, news outlets, or even just their own, depending on the size of their follow following, their own following, just listening, reading their comments or having a PR person read the comments and read them back to you and just listening to their experiences. I think, you know, they can they can speak on whatever they want. Now, I don't expect it from them. I don't expect celebrities to be role models and, you know, I don't I don't expect them to never speak about anything either. But if they do speak, I do prefer that they they stay in their lane, whatever lane that is. So I think that concludes it, you guys. It is late. It is late at night. I still have some work that I need to do. But basically, I just kind of gauge if I'm like ready to record an episode by like, I'll kind of start thinking about the topic. And if a lot of things are coming to my mind and I like feel energized enough to speak on it, I'm like, all right, let's just sit down and do this because, like I said, I want to have a nice, nice little pile of, you know, episodes uh, for whenever we get started here. But if you made it to this point. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Let me know your thoughts. Um, should celebrities be role models? Do they have a responsibility to, you know, um, speak on issues and be someone that like kids and whatever can look up to? Is there something I missed? Is there an element of this conversation that I missed? Is there, you know, some nuance that I could have included? Y'all let me know in the comments below or shoot me a DM on Instagram that'll be linked below. And I hope y'all have a fantastic day, night, week, or weekend whenever this comes out. Bye!